What does a prostitute have to do with Easter? Now, before you cover your kids' ears, before you look for the exit signs, give me some time to unpack that, that question and give you an answer because we're going to find out a prostitute had and has a lot to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The girl I'm talking about was mentioned in Scripture, Red Light Rahab. Rahab is mentioned in the book of Joshua. Rahab had a very thriving business. She definitely was a woman of the night, an escort, and her, her house of prostitution was actually built into the city wall of Jericho. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Moreover, because of her lifestyle, she knew that she was living in depravity and she knew her future didn't look that bright. In fact, she realized that Jericho, this entire city, didn't really look that great. I mean, destruction was in the cards for Jericho. God was getting ready to nuke Jericho. You probably heard about the promised land before. You've maybe heard about Moses. Moses was leading God's people to this, this land flowing with milk and honey. Moses clocked out before they claimed the land. So General Joshua now is this, is this new leader. He knows that the real estate deal has gone through the title company. He knows all the lawyers have signed off on it. He knows all he has to do is claim the land. Well, the first city that he's supposed to wipe out is the city of Jericho, where our girl Rahab is residing. I love the Bible because the Bible keeps it real. The Bible not only talks about the strong points, it also talks about the weak points of people. Rahab was a prostitute Yet, before we look down our noses at her, we have to understand that God, thankfully, doesn't look at our past, he looks at our future. So Rahab, this, this hooker, was hungry for God. How many times have you been to a restaurant and you've said to yourself, you know, I'm not that hungry, but then your meal is served and you're like a shark in a feeding frenzy and you say, whoa, I didn't realize I was that hungry. The same is true with Rahab. I, I, I think she had a low-grade awareness that she was hungry for God, but not really that much. Rahab, though, we're gonna find out, was pursued by the providence of God. The providence of God. We don't talk about the providence of God that much anymore. What is the providence of God? It's the mysterious workings of God. It's the supernatural movement of God, the providence of God. God simultaneously synchronizes people. He, he puts them together. One would say, oh, it's by chance. It's serendipitous. It's luck. No, it's the providence of God. So while God was working in Rahab's life, she was the only person in Jericho who was hungry for God. While, while God was working, the Spirit of God was working behind the scenes there, here's what General Joshua did. Now, 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 stay with me, you won't believe this. Joshua 
sends out a couple of spies, think Navy SEALs. And these SEALs were to do a secret reconnaissance mission of Jericho, report back to Joshua so they could take the city out. These guys saw this house of prostitution. It was the only house built into the side of the wall. They walked in and they began to have this faith conversation with this hooker, Rahab. They began to talk. And quickly you see how God brought them together for this reason, the providence of God. The providence of God pursued Rahab. You're here because of the providence of God. You might be going, well, no, I just showed up. No, you're here because of the providence of God, whether you realize it or not. You're here because of the mysterious and supernatural workings of God himself. You might say, well, someone drugged me here or a family member drugged me here. No, you're here because of the providence of God. It's the providence of God. And God wants a beautiful collision to take place. So he's prepared your heart and your life, whether you're a seeker or a saint, he's working behind the scenes, covertly. The Spirit is preparing the soils of your heart. At the same time, God is bringing others into your life, conversations and situations to, to cause this incredible supernatural meeting. Then you have a choice to make. The person who is hungry for God, you either receive the bread of life or not. I'm involved right now in the providence of God. So are you. The providence of God pursues us. So it's not by chance. It's not serendipitous. Let me say it again. It's not luck. It's the providence of God. Well, they had this faith conversation, the Navy SEALs do, and Rahab, and, and obviously Rahab has this dynamic transformation in her life. Here's a prostitute who's transformed. Then she ends up, if you read about her life, marrying a prince of Israel. And then on top of that, she finds herself in the lineage of Jesus. A whore! Rahab married Salmon after this transformation. Salmon had a son named Boaz. Boaz married Ruth. They had a son, Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. The lineage goes on and on into the New Testament. You have Jacob. Jacob's son was Joseph. Joseph was married to Mary, and Mary had So when you think about Rahab, this, this red light chick, this girl who owned a house of ill repute, she's now moved from the whorehouse to God's house. That's an awesome story. Well, the plot clots, as I like to say. She has this discussion with these guys and she boldly says in Joshua 2.11, the Lord your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. I have in my margin, what caused her to be pursued and persuaded? I mean, why did she make this faith decision? Well, as you read about the conversation she had, she had heard what God had done in the children of Israel. She was like, man, I've heard that God 
parted the Red Sea, that, that he used you guys to take out these ungodly kings and he fed you from heaven and he had this GPS system in the sky. So she had heard about the evidence. So yes, the providence pursued her, but the evidence persuaded her. And then of course, she saw the difference in these guys' lives and here's what's so funny about it. You talk, talk about the plot. Somehow the king of Jericho found out that these Navy SEALs were in Rahab's house. Maybe it was through wiretapping. That seems to be popular these days. <laughs> Maybe it was through Snapchat or some Instagram post. I don't know how he found out, but he found out. And he, and he texted Rahab. He said, Rahab, send these spies to me. Well, he wanted to kill them, of course. Rahab was a smart girl. I mean, she was, she was, she was a businesswoman. And, and, and when I read this text, this is what gave me the idea for Paint the Town Red. See, I'm trying to set up for you how, how God works in my life to even deliver this message to you. Here's what's so funny. Well, it's not funny, it's just faith-driven. The Bible says, I don't have time to read the entire chapter, uh, Joshua chapter two to you, but you'll have to take my word for it because I do know the word. That's what I'm supposed to do, deliver the word. It says that, it says that, it says that Rahab took a red rope. And I said to myself, why would, why would the Bible say red? Maybe in your translation, a scarlet cord. She took a red rope, threw it out of her window, and she told the Navy SEALs, you can escape that way. Now, Navy SEALs can repel. It's easy for them to, to cruise down a rope. And, and here's what Rahab told them before they cruised down the rope. I mean, red, why red? Well, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Rahab said, I'll tell you what. I know I'm transformed, etc." But she said, when you guys come in to nuke Jericho, I'm gonna have this red rope hanging out of my window. You can't miss it. So if you would please spare me and my family and my friends in my house, and this red rope will be a sign. So just pass over my house. Don't deliver judgment on me. And the spies were like, okay, now make sure you keep the red rope out there. Rahab did. So this rope not only was a way of escape, a way out, but also it made a way in for Rahab and her family. Red, why red? You know red is the dominant color in Easter. You know, we think it's pastels, it's red. Blood is used 415 times in the Bible. Red is the dominant color in scripture. The Bible is red, but the Bible is red. Oh man, well Ed, is it a gory story? No, it's a glory story. You cut the Bible, it bleeds. So I began to do some research on this red rope and biblical scholars, well here's, here's, what, here's what the scholars say. Okay, how many of you in here watch Netflix? I do. Do you know we have a show on Netflix? Check it out, I hope you watch it. Well Netflix, it has a trailer. Have you seen all the trailers? Click on the trailer. What does the trailer do? The trailer whets our appetite, shows us highlights of this feature attraction. We're like, whoa, okay, boom, you know. 
I'll pay for that. Some of you maybe go old school. Some of you go maybe to the, to the, to the movie house, like we say, you know. Let's go to the movie house, go to the movies, whatever. And, and a movie house, I can't believe I said that, movie house. That's really showing my Southern roots, isn't it? And, and some of us, some of us, you know, we, 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 see these, we see these previews of a coming attraction and the music and, and, and all the cool scenes. And we're like, oh, I wanna see that. This red rope is a trailer. It's a preview of a coming attraction. Read any scholar, any person who's a student of the Bible. This red rope to Rahab was like the red blood the lambs had shed when God passed over the faithful during the time of Passover. In other words, these spies were fresh off the Passover. What's the Passover? It's like the ultimate holiday, the ultimate remembrance in the Jewish faith. Here's, here's the Passover. God's people were in Egyptian slavery for what, 400 years. They were sinning all over the place. The Egyptians were sinning all over the place as well. So God said, it's atonement time. It's atonement time. Have you ever thought about the fact that we all have this atonement chip in our lives? When a passenger on a United Airlines flight was taken advantage of, what did we say? Somebody's gotta pay. When Assad gassed innocent people, what did we say? Somebody's got to pay. When the Syrian Christians were slaughtered, what did we say? Somebody's got to pay. Mom and dad, you've got rules for your kids. They break the rules, what do you say? Somebody's got to pay. We have that, have that atonement awareness thing going on in our lives. Animals don't have it. Do you have any dogs or cats? They don't have it. They're not like, oh, you got out. You got out of the, you got out of the gate. Man, you have to pay for that. No, they don't do that. They're animals. We're made in the image of God. We have this atonement awareness thing going on. So here's what happened. God said to every family, take an unblemished lamb, kill it, take the blood, apply it to the doorposts of your house. When judgment comes, if you've applied the blood to the doorpost, the death angel will pass over, pass over your house. Some people obeyed the directives, others didn't. I just wanna show you that this red rope that Rahab threw out of her window to her and to the spies is analogous to the red blood of the lambs that were applied during the Passover. They passed over Rahab's house and they passed over the house that had the applied blood. You, we, we can't get away from this red rope. You know, we trip over it, we skip over it, and, and we just can't get away from it. The red rope of redemption goes all the way back from, from the Garden of Eden. It goes throughout the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's hung around the cross and wrapped around the resurrection, the, the, 
the red rope of redemption. Somebody's got to pay. Part of redemption is atonement. You remember Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve, I'm talking about the Garden of Eden now. They had a perfect environment. They were walking around naked, or if you're from the South, naked, naked, doing what God wanted them to do, enjoying their relationship with God, enjoying one another, managing the, the garden. Yet they had this, this freedom to choose and they chose to rebel against God. And I don't know about you, but when I sin, I like to cover it up. How about you? When I lie, I like to cover my tracks. When I do something wrong, I want to cover it up. Don't look at me like I'm the only one. Come on now. Adam and Eve tried to cover their tracks. You know what they did? This is hilarious. You have to read Genesis chapter three. It's important, it's paramount to understand Genesis chapter three if you understand the flow of the Bible. That's some homework for you. Because of their sin, Adam and Eve realized they were naked. And the Bible says, this is hilarious, they tried to, to sew fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. Now that's funny. That's the first example of a Speedo and bikini we have in history. Well, I, you know when they sewed the leaves to cover their nakedness, they were going like, oh, you look good, man. Oh, you look good. What looks good to you and me doesn't really look good to the brilliant blaze of God's glory, does it? Because when God showed up, their cover-ups didn't work. Here's what God did. God did something. He did something. He took an animal, killed it. They'd never seen death before. They'd never seen the unnatural movements before. Blood spilled on the floor of the Garden of Eden. Then he took the animal, skinned it, and covered their nakedness. A trailer, a preview of an innocent third party spilling its blood to atone for the sins of man. The, 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 the red rope of redemption. The Bible is, is red. Then in Leviticus, we have the sacrificial system. Tens of thousands of animals were being, were being killed and their blood was being spilt to cover for the sins of mankind. Then you've got stories and accounts. You can go back to the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel, the difference in their offerings. One was a blood offering, one wasn't. You can go into Abraham and Isaac, but then you have this crazy cat 700 years before Jesus, his name was Isaiah. Isaiah basically said, you know what? God's gonna do something so radical, so supernatural, so stunning, so all-encompassing. It's gonna snap the heads of everybody. And check out what he said, Isaiah 53, verse five. He, you mean this is gonna be a person? Yep. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. You know that messed some people up. They were like, you mean God is going to send a person? You mean a person is gonna be righteous enough, holy enough, perfect enough to take care of the sins past, present, and future? Wow! 
would like to see that, God. John the Baptist in the New Testament looked at Jesus when he was 30 years old and said, whoa, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Atonement in the Old Testament to cover. In the New Testament, to take away. Now some say, oh, Jesus died as a martyr. No, he didn't. He didn't die as a martyr, he's not a martyr. He was born to die, he planned to die. It was God's will for him to die. He voluntarily put himself on that cross, voluntarily submitted his life to the will of the Father. Well, okay, this sacrifice is all about forgiveness. It's forgiveness and I'm unforgiven. It's more than that. It's more than forgiveness. If it was just forgiveness, Jesus could have died when he was two. What did he do? He lived a righteous life, a holy life, a perfect life. So when we become followers of Christ, when we grab the rope of hope, the red rope of redemption, we're forgiven and the righteousness of Jesus, and here's a theological term, is imputed into our lives. So when God sees me, he didn't see self-centered sinner, he sees Jesus. Here's how I like to say it. On the cross, God treated Christ like you and me so we could turn around and treat you and me like Christ. That's the gospel. So the gospel is not just the death of Jesus. Death couldn't hold him in the ground because his blood was and is precious, perfect, supernatural. If he had any sin in his life, his blood could not pay for your sins and mine. So death, again, couldn't hold him back. He burst forth with resurrection power. And because Jesus lives, we can live. So go back to, go back to, to, to the hooker who was hungry for God. Go back to Rahab. Rahab was saved by the blood of Jesus. Now, 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 wait a minute, Ed. You're talking about the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet. What does the book of Revelation say? The book of Revelation says, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Rahab was looking, even though she didn't understand it all, forward to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, just like those of us who are Christ followers look backwards to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The power is in the blood. It's the red rope of redemption. The providence of God, it pursued her. The evidence, it persuaded her. And talk about evidence. You realize there's tons of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, thousands of people were crucified. Romans, Roman, the Roman army crucified thousands of people. Crucifixions weren't unusual. Study your history. The resurrection, 
Oh, yeah. And, and using the classical historical method, you can stack up evidence, attorneys, that demands a verdict. You can stack it up. Yeah, you still have to make a faith decision, but there's amazing evidence. And sometimes I talk to people that are like, oh, I don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I'll say, well, how much time have you spent studying it? Uh, yeah, study it. Study it. It's right here. Read about it. The Bible could take any question, any skeptic, any cynic, anything you can lob at it. God can take it. He's bigger than any question, any intellectual issue that you have or I have. First uh, Corinthians 15. This, this, is a, this is a phenomenal section of Scripture. Let me begin reading with verse 3 through verse 6. Here's what Paul said. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Simon Peter, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Hey, lawyers in the house, paralegals in the house, anybody want to take this case? 500 witnesses that saw him at the same time, open and shut. The red rope of redemption. It's everywhere. We can't get away from it. We trip over it. We skip over it. We see it. What are you going to do with it? Look what Rahab did with it. It totally transformed her life. The red rope of redemption. And those of us who've been redeemed, we should paint the town red. That phrase means we should live extravagantly. We should live with excitement and vitality. We should be evidence. I went to junior high and high school with a guy named Steve Sandifer. He was a hilarious guy, and, and you know, we had a lot of fun in school, but you know, he was into some crazy stuff outside of school, so you know, our friendship kind of stopped there. I moved to Houston, Texas, right before my senior year in high school, then went off to Florida State, and one spring, I walked down the steps of our athletic dorm at FSU and opened my mailbox. Normally, I would get a letter from mom. You know how that is. And I saw this letter, and I recognized the handwriting because Steve Sanford had the coolest handwriting. It was just like, it, it, the guy was like a calligraphist and didn't even know it. And I'm thinking like, what? how did he find me at Florida State? Steve Sanford, what in the world? And I opened this letter, and you know, I'm not a big crier. I mean, I cry now and then, but I don't cry all the time. And, and as I read this letter, I started crying because he said, Ed, I want to tell you something, some great news. He goes, I recently became a follower of Christ. And he said, one of the things that caused me to make this decision is I thought about our friendship and I just saw something different in your life. And I knew it was Jesus. I've never gotten over that. The providence of God 
He brought Steve Sandifer and I together for a reason. The evidence, and I'm, well, I mess up all the time. I'm just saying God used, even in my sinfulness, the evidence of a relationship with Jesus. And that pushed him into making a confident decision to follow Christ, and he is involved in his church today and is a guy who is sold out for the Lord. So maybe you're here and you're like Rahab. Doesn't matter if you're a prostitute, pastor, poet, politician. Doesn't matter if you're poor or privileged. Wow, that was a lot of alliteration. If you're away from God, are you gonna stand before God one day on your own track record of obedience? I can't. God says one bad mood, one off day, one, one idle word, one impure thought, and there's a cosmic chasm between you and God. Are you really relying on that? Or are you relying on the track record of Jesus? Have you arranged to receive the red rope of redemption. See this, this section of the rope? This represents our lives. All of us have a terminal illness called life. In fact, between services, I prayed for a good friend of mine who's been a part of this church for 27 years because he was just diagnosed with ALS. Life is brief, just ask him. What are you gonna do with this one and only life? Because what you do here tells you where you're gonna spend there and what you'll do over there. Because without the rope, there's no hope. I was on a plane last week and I was preparing for this message. I read this story that, that really leaped out because it was a story about some mountain climbers. There were six mountain climbers, it's a true story, and, and three were experienced. They had all the gear, all the stuff. Three were inexperienced, they were newbies. They just bought some of the equipment or whatever and they were descending down a dangerous area in the Swiss Alps. And for some unknown reason, one of the inexperienced climbers slipped. He began to fall. The next inexperienced climber slipped. The next one slipped. And they went over the edge. The experienced guys were like, okay. They were bracing for, for impact because they knew that, that, that the rope would hold. Yet when it got to the end, they heard that angry snap. And they heard the three inexperienced climbers fall 4,000 feet to their death. Hours later, they recover the bodies and these experienced climbers began to look at the equipment and to their shock and horror, these inexperienced climbers had not used the alpine ropes, the ropes that just don't break they'd used a cheap imitation. And the article stated that an alpine rope, you always know it because it has a red cord through the middle. 
the red rope of redemption doesn't break. The red rope of redemption as an atonement is the rope God has designed for you. God designed it for Rahab, for every man or woman of faith. I challenge you to let go of the cheap imitation that you're holding on to. I challenge you to let go of your own track record, your own level of obedience, which is disobedience. I challenge you to grab and to hold the red rope of redemption because the providence of God is persuading you. The evidence of God is swaying you. It is time that you make a confident decision of faith. That is the story of Easter. Would you pray with me for a moment? Father, I'm going to pray a prayer, and this is not my prayer, but this is a prayer that many, I believe, need to pray. You might be at our campus in Miami, our brand new campus in Southwest Florida. You could be online somewhere watching this at our online campuses. You could be in Dallas, in Hawkins, Texas, at Alaska Ranch. You could be in Prosper and Salina, South Lake Keller, Fort Worth. But God has brought you here to say this prayer. He's not gonna say it for you, you have to say it. But just simply say, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, that I've messed up. And I realize I can't rely on my own level of obedience because I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin and turn to you. I believe to the best of my ability right now that you sent Jesus to live perfectly, to shed his blood on the cross and to rise again. And right now, I receive you, Jesus. I grasp the red rope of redemption and atonement. If you said that prayer, that's the best thing you'll ever say the best prayer you'll ever pray. Others here, maybe you're like me and you've been a believer for a while and it's time to get in on the providence of God to realize that everything is a divine appointment. And I pray that we can be utilized like those Navy SEALs were back in the day to be vehicles of the bread of life. Thank you, Jesus, for your death, burial, and resurrection. And it's because that you live We'll live forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.